Hey guys, welcome back to the weekly Scrubbed In podcast. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode when we had Yasmin down. But today, we've got another super special guest. Someone that I've looked up to since I pretty much started med school and kind of played a hand in everything that we've done so far. Um, and someone who inspired me to actually into medicine itself and I owe this person a lot in fact so without further ado this young gentleman's name is Mafuj he's a doctor who is going to be pursuing GP training soon Um, but before we kind of go into what he's achieved what he's done and why he's such a massive inspiration for us um, we'll introduce you how you doing Mafuj today Assalamualaikum guys you guys good very good um, there's a lot of stuff we want to talk about with you. Um, you're super popular, mad famous. Um, you get straight into it because you know yeah. we just want to be raw. We want to be uncut, yeah, yeah. and you've always been someone that you know you don't shy away from the truth. Um, so if you're happy, let's start from the beginning in terms of your journey into med school and how did that all start? Let's go. Yeah. So um, so. My journey into medicine started with me not wanting to do medicine. <laughs> okay. So um, I've Fist always in Bill. <laughs> <laughs> so I've always like I've always wanted to be a designer. Mm. So design like logos, websites, whatever, anything like interior designing. Mm. I thought I'd be working for Google, mm. but my parents had other dreams in it. <laughs> now, like my dad, uh, my mum, even my extended family, they all saw something in me. They saw that I'm capable of medicine. So when I like even pushed the idea of designing, they were like, nah, mm. you ain't doing that. You ain't gonna get a job and stuff like that. Fair enough, um, So I started my kind of graphic designing then and I just put my mind towards medicine. And even that, you know, from the day one, GCSE, alhamdulillah, like that was okay. But then when I went to A-levels at CNI, mm. that's when the real battle started, didn't mm-hmm. it? So I didn't realize the, how the jump's gonna be. So studied the classic bio, chem, psychology and maths. Mm. Was doing really well, really well, but then went into my maths exam in AS and I had a panic attack. Went from expected A star to getting an E in my AS. Oh, wow. Biology coursework, my teacher marked it as 34 out of 34, comes back as 12 out of 34. Oh, and it's like, things were like not looking great. Mm. This was in my first year and like everyone having Alhamdulillah smashed at GCSEs. Yeah. So he's like, what the hell's happened? Like, this as a, as a high goes, achiever, that hits That real hits hard, you hard. It? I seem like, yeah. Alhamdulillah, like I was in the papers for my GCSEs, going yeah. from there to kind of like, bro, you ain't, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, going, you're not going uni, mate. Well, I, did, I didn't know that, yeah. But, so uh, that happened. Then, um, so again, difficult year, ever thought dreams, that's it, medicine's mm. over. And then um, I retook all my AS, um, um, like papers with my A2 papers okay. so be like what they're doing right now with A-levels actually yeah. you know how they mm. do all the papers at the end at mm. the end yeah yeah so I had it similar to that but so I did everything again yeah. Alhamdulillah like then you know what Alhamdulillah, you said something about inspiring you mm-hmm. and there was someone like that for me as well and mm. he doesn't even know that yeah. I spoke to him today in fact wow and um, he we were talking about the training program that yeah. he's getting into and so they were telling me about the EMDP program itself yeah. mm. and how mm-hmm. something because of my S grades, they were like, you know what, you might want to try this out. And I was like, fine, um, I try. And they're like, there's someone else who did this. And he was from my area as well in mm. Hamlet. Okay. And uh, they told me about him, and it's like they got in, and he's going to start not this year, the following year because it's deferred entry. Mm. I was like, I want to be that guy. 
Yeah. So alhamdulillah, like, um, applied for it. And you know what? KCO was the only med, med school I applied to. Okay. So okay. it's either for so me or it's either... What else did you apply for at the time? Um, I thought, you know what, it's either going to be medicine mm. or it's going to be teaching. Okay. So it's one or the other for me. Mm. Like, designing was at the cards by now. So I was doing my own thing with that. Because of parents? Uh, no, because I started my own um, designing company. Mm. And alhamdulillah, oh, was fu- nice. that was funding okay. me through college and stuff. So I was so picking up projects, picking up yeah. different freelance you stuff. You were a pretty sick so, designer. <laughs> so <laughs> we discussed this, like, before in one of our first few episodes. It's like, why do you feel that you're creative and you've always been a creative? Like, do you feel bad that you forsaked designing something your true passion was for something like medicine which you weren't really on it at the time do you regret that do you think do you know what look you've been a doctor for two three years now do you think on top of going to medical for what six seven years if you had done designing instead like where you'd have been do you ever have that thought like oh i wish i did designing i would have been working for google or something i i get i do get where you're going with that question but you know what i have no regrets okay Mm. because during med school i fell in love with medicine okay First two years, I was hating it. Everyone mm. hates the first two years we of lectures, <laughs> biomedicine, mm. biomedical science, whatever. But when you start going into the hospital and you start mm. utilizing some of the skills you learn mm. and the kind of um, pathology you learn mm. and everything, and the science now makes sense, you're seeing science being used mm. like in real life. And mm. you're like, damn, everything we're learning has some sense in it. Yeah. Yeah. And then you think about the skill set you kind of acquire during med school. And um, that, that in itself is immense. Mm. And um, being able to utilize that around the world, or even not even around the world, in your house. As I mean, many of you guys probably have, yeah. especially come from, say, Bengali house mm. or Asian household. Uh, when there's a doubt or whatever, mm. it's like, you're the medic. Yeah. People will come to you and be like, so I've got this back pain. You're the medic, <laughs> even as a student. I'm forget this, day one. So. Day one, you're a medical student. You don't know anything, but you're not going to tell them yeah, that. <laughs> you're like, no, you know, you should have this paracetamol. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to act like you're big boss. But nah. Um, so is it like helping people? You can't really do that with designing. Let's be honest. Yeah? Mm. With designing, you can help people and you do it behind the scenes. Mm. Like for instance, when you're in university societies, you're any events, you're helping people through these events you're running. Mm. And by doing these posters, you're part of the like bigger picture. You are key, as mm. in you've designed mm. it. Every person who now goes to this event or donates because of this poster you've created, mm. you are gonna get the rewards. Mm-hmm. But you don't actively like, physically do it. Yeah. And that's something you can do with medicine. True. Um, so, no, I don't regret not having gone down the creative route because mm. even though I'm a doctor right now, I still do my creative side. Yeah, I was going to say, the cool thing about it is at the time you feel like, oh, you know what, I'm forsaking something to do medicine. But if you look at it, you now have two things you're passionate and love. So you still can be a medic as well as doing your designing yeah, exactly. and make time for that. Um, but yeah, it was just quite interesting and I can, you know, there is this pressure by, especially, you know, Asian households where like, I want my son to be, you know, the, the holy trinity. You want them to be a banker, lawyer, or a doctor, right? Yeah. We happen to be a friend circle of banker, doctors, and lawyers. <laughs> um, and I feel my, not my concern, my bit that kind of gets me is there is a lot of things in the world you can do. And I feel a lot of potential is stomped out. So there is a guy that he's not made to be a medic or he doesn't really enjoy it. Why mm. does he need to go through this rigorous process to do something he doesn't enjoy when he may have been had the best time of life being a geologist or something like that yeah, you know what I mean I've said that to my own cousins I said mm. get a prospectus see every subject and find one you love you don't need to be a medic why because I did it yeah do you think the scope has changed though so for example you said your parents right um, they weren't too keen on you doing graphic design I think 
with graphic design and those those fields back then they were quite unstable you didn't have job guarantee and things like that do you think mm. the scope of those careers have changed right now in the 20 years in what, 2020 the, i don't think the scope has changed per se but more so the mentality of parents because mm. mm. now parents are kind of more i wouldn't say they're westernized mm-hmm. but i would say they're more they have a more open relationship with their children yeah sure where you can have a discussion and you can see what your child likes and what yeah. doesn't like and you really have this connection and you ultimately want what your kid wants, wants mm. and yeah. it's going to make him happy or her happier so i find that people are more open to these new degrees and yeah. the kind of branching out away from being a doctor a lawyer engineer pharmacist etc mm. and they kind of truly value every role as in everyone has a part to play in yeah. this world and they kind of come to value it more Mm. And that comes with kind of, yeah, I think over time that would just happen. Like our generation, yeah. for instance, mm. when inshallah we all have kids, mm. Mm. like we wouldn't push them towards one subject or the other. Mm-hmm. We'd yeah. be like, whatever you want to do, do. Yeah. And if you're inspired by the work I do as a doctor yeah. or what your mum does as whatever, mm. then that that in itself is like go for it. Exactly. The thing the thing is, I I can empathize and put myself in the shoes of the generation above us our parents uh, and i can see why they would push for their children to go towards law medicine banking you you get that security it's guaranteed mm. you, you're pushed constantly Let, let's be honest financially you do you are well off yeah. i know doctors complain a lot about their salary but you are well off compared to mm. the rest of the country i'm still complaining um, <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> still complaining <laughs> now we but, should um, be yeah but yeah no no you're absolutely right so i can see why our parents and the generation above were so fixated on us all becoming doctors what mm. have you and the new generation have now sort of become more understanding and now can see that being a graphics designer can also be lucrative and being a coder and analyst they what have you can also it's it's pretty cool to see i think there's a little bit of a transition yeah between our generation the generation above um i think also it's the fact that like you know with our parents for instance a lot of our parents or grandparents have migrated from bangladesh they literally left everything yeah and i've come to this country why because of security and a better future Mm. exactly and like if you go back to say bangladesh or india pakistan wherever Mm. and you kind of see that in those countries being a doctor or being a lawyer is Mm. like you've made it yeah yeah you've exactly. made it mm. and so mm. they want their children the best for their children yeah. ultimately they want the best for the children not yeah. just specifically doctor but the best the best their best literally yeah. the emphasis is the best yeah. but now and the driving force was more so security and finance mm. yeah yeah exactly but now alhamdulillah now our generation yeah and even them as parents mm financially they're stable and secu- secure we're not yeah. worried about money anymore yeah so even our generation we're not what when money doesn't drive us it allows you to branch out it allows yeah. us to branch out because we haven't got that pressure now exactly so we can exactly. kind of do what we want that makes us happy mm. because we know one way or another money mm. will come in yeah inshallah so mm. it's like i think that's the transition mm. awesome awesome so i think for our viewers one one cool thing about you is that you balance so many things right and one misconception that everyone has is man if i do medicine if i become a doctor or even for the guys that say i'm going to become a lawyer a engineer or coder or just a graphics designer how do you do multiple things what's what's your key first of all tell us about what you guys are, tell the viewers what you're doing right now yeah, yeah all the all the different things i'm not <laughs> going to reveal it all to them tell so, us so i'm um, going back to like you know med school and mm. balancing everything so many of probably 
most people do know that I'm part of Ali Shara. Mm-hmm. So I actually joined Ali Shara on my second year in university. Mm-hmm. So that's um, EMDP 1B. Mm. Yeah. And that's meant to be slightly more busier. It's the most chilled so year. On the program, you learn, one year you learn about the heart and the second you learn about the lungs, which are <laughs> literally <laughs> organs that touch each other. It's changed, by the way. The course has completely changed. Yeah, and now I they're heard. supposedly just doing conventional Fine. stuff. But yeah. let, let, let's keep it <laughs> So um, I joined Ali Shara um, mm-hmm. in my first, second year of university. That's mm. during med school. And at that time, my dad wasn't happy. Right. Was like Explain to you what Al-Ishara is, because okay, um, yeah. obviously we have so, loads yeah. of viewers yeah, across yeah. the country. So, Al-Ishara is a charity that makes um, Islam, initially our plan was to make Islam accessible to, for the deaf. Mm. deaf. And so what we do is, we have, for instance, the Friday Khutbah translated to British Sign Language. Yeah. Uh, we have our children's, uh, deaf children's Islamic classes happening every week. Uh, we have our adults, uh, deaf adults classes. And it's almost given them access to Islam where they wouldn't, gained that access before. And alhamdulillah, like, we've kind of progressed so much so now that we're translating the Quran into BS, British Sign Language. And mm. that's like one of the last languages to be translated. And so mm. that's kind of, we pioneer in these mm. kind of services. So that's what we're doing right now. And yeah. literally groundbreaking that. Yeah, so that's, yeah alhamdulillah. Uh, it was unheard of. I nothing remember. Nothing done before similar. Yeah, I remember the work really. he did with Ali Shara. Um, and I was like, wow, this is novel. It's like, it's something. You know, it's like a, a neglected community, like they're neglected people. But when I saw the the, the Quran being converted to BSL, that I thought, do you know what? That's something amazing. Like yeah. I, that resonated with me a lot. Um, mm. How is that coming along? Like, what progress are you making with regards to Every that? other week, alhamdulillah, we're releasing surahs, so it's like it's mm. it's work in progress. Mm. But one thing we kind of, I mean, this Quran project. If you hear like, this was an idea we thought about about eight seven years ago wow but we didn't start doing it until about a year ago mm. because you know when you're working say when you're doing things related to islam and the quran mainly mm-hmm. you're working with the word of allah and mm. his prophet mm-hmm. um, so we have to make sure that the work we do is with Hassan, with the the best we can do it mm-hmm. that's why we've taken so long and even the surahs we release um, it goes through a rigorous progress pro- mm. process as in we're not going to release anything mm. it's very easy to, to turn over something in a day mm. but our translation pre- uh, process is very rigorous so alhamdulillah it's, work, it's, going, it's progressing well mm. but there's it's a long way to go it's a long, it's a long way but to do you go. know what it's something you just need to make that first step yeah. um, and you guys are the pioneers you know alhamdulillah. and maybe this is your legacy or part of your legacy rather um, maybe I hope it gets completed in our lifetime. It may yeah, not. It may not. It may not. You know what? Even if it doesn't, it's all about ev- every single person who's donated or worked towards this. Mm. It's, you've grown the seed and now, mm. inshallah, be it. It's not a matter of when, but mm. it's, not, sorry, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. when. Sorry. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be complete, inshallah. And mm. when it does, you will all bear the fruits of it. No. You, know, you know, one thing that you opened my eyes to is understanding the deaf community and their language and how they communicate I was completely oblivious to the fact that it's not as uh, you put it to me as it wasn't as sounds or as a certain phrase or lip movement that mm. actually was the language it really didn't it was mind-blowing I can't even explain it um, now tying that in with healthcare and medicine now do you feel that the deaf community also suffer in health in healthcare Without a doubt, uh, there's a there was a report done in 2012 by Sign Health, um, uh, in looking into this kind of issue, 
and the main issue lies with communication mm. because I remember during being in med school and I don't know how it is right now we mm. had this one lecture about deaf awareness Mm. Do you other guys? Do oh, you guys remember that we, lecture? Yeah. So a lady came in and one she, yeah, and yeah. Did, you did this mock scenario exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oscar station. Yeah, yeah. So I did that scenario. Well, I was in that workshop, and it was this was I think during my first year in Alishar itself. Mm. So I sat there and I sat there and I was listening to everything, and I felt this lady they're, they're missing out so much because mm. they want to just tick box, kind yeah. of tick box. Yeah. So um, yeah. So going back to the question about healthcare and. Um, the deaf community. So the deaf community actually suffer from like stuff like hypertension more, diabetes more, and it's because of the poor management of it. Okay. Because okay. the GP can't or the doctor can't really fully explain how yeah. to prevent it from happening or how mm. to manage mm. it. The medications abysmal sometimes as well. Yeah. But that saying that is changing as well because of the use of like social media, not mm. social media, sorry, the phone, the apps available to yeah. them um, has made it easier so I'd be quite intrigued to see what the say in 10 years time or five whatever years like, time yeah. the new what the new research shows mm. it's interesting though the incidences of those conditions are higher mm. and they're not being managed very well and that is that is very interesting it's not because they're any different biologically no, no, no. it's True. purely from the kind of the environment and this yeah. access to medicine mm. but that goes to show and I remember you did this quote and I always remember and I always still have a people as if I made it you said in terms of deafness is regarded as a disability but it's not a disability it's just we don't adapt or yeah. it's not built and you say it in a very nice way and i can't remember it but you have this quote where it's like disability is because we're not adapting or we're not making the environment conducive to them hence yeah. why they are disabled yeah. but really they're not it's you know we're not putting aids in place yeah. or the table's mm. not short enough or there isn't extra support and i was like Rah, that's yeah. such a profound I think thing. I, I, think I, know, I think I think I I stole it from someone else as well. But um, <laughs> we're just stealing quotes along, out, yeah. Something along the lines of it's not people who are disabled, but society that yeah. makes people disabled yeah, by yeah. not enabling the various services. Exactly. And, and that I thought goes that was with sick, man. that amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I stole that nicely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like um, okay. it's it's something not just for deafness. It's mm. for anything. So if you think of disability. Uh, deafness as another language mm. and you compare it to say our parents or our grandparents when they first came to this country not knowing English mm. for them they were in the exact same boat yes True. exactly they so. were a, so. a community working their way mm. but the only difference with the say a Bangladeshi community when they came was they had sound yeah and the government were aware of them and they helped them mm. whereas with the deaf community they're still somewhat neglected mm. Mm. they are t- making huge strides but it's neglected because within say the Bengali community you have the deaf community within any yeah. Muslim community you have the deaf community as well so it's a minority so within a, a minor- minority minority within a minority who's who are not heard that's true and alhamdulillah now they've got a voice through these charities yeah. and inshallah things will get yeah. better it's amazing that's amazing so okay. med school you got involved with Ali Shara how was the rest of your med school experiences and kind of talk that through because I know yeah. you, you've done foundation training and you're a few yeah. years ahead of us so kind of talk us through the rest of med school and significant things yeah. that happened that were important for you so med school was a huge roller coaster ride and there were ups and there were big downs as well yeah mm-hmm. and like so for instance I think it was my it was my 1B or no second year exams where I was going through a lot uh, in my personal life and um, um, I didn't tell anyone about it Mm-hmm. And um, it was just before my exams. Uh, my one of my best friends he went in, into a car crash, oh, wow. and he became paralyzed from waist below. Mm-hmm. So that in itself was like, whoa! This was mm. two three weeks before my exam. Yeah. 
then that was I was dealing with that then a week before that one of like my uncle he went from UK to Bangladesh and mm. he died suddenly wow. on the same day one of my aunts died as well just and this was just before my exam and I you know what I thought you know what I put so much effort into my exams I'm just going to sit here mm. I sat it felt so it's like mm. and it's like I spoke to you do you remember Despo yeah yeah, uh, yeah. so she screwed at me um, she, I told her everything and she's like you're dumb yeah <laughs> oh <my laughs> God. you're dumb yeah. are you dumb like, you went through all of that and you sat the exams but you know before the exams you know how they say yeah. if you're unfit to sit the exam please walk away you're that, that is <laughs> that is a legal yeah. <laughs> um, statement man so take it seriously so she's like because you sat despite that you have to we have to take that score mm. and so I they see. said not, not everyone like, I had to retake all my exams wow. within two months oh, <laughs> so alhamdulillah man. I put my head down again and I passed got through that mm. then alhamdulillah everything was nice chilling come to year four and um, I thought I was uh, chilling it was, it was good I had my clinical partner mm. uh, we were like having a laugh every other day <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Jamil yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we were having a lot. That's when I like, yeah. Who's so an anesthetic trainee, by the way? Yeah, mashallah, big mashallah, boss, yeah, big boss. Big boss. He's going to put us to sleep in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he does that when he talks. <laughs> right? <laughs> but yeah, so come year four, I sat my exams, passed the papers, Oski's felt. This was before <laughs> the elective. Yeah? So I close to the end as so well. So close to the end. I thought, you know what? This is it. Then mm-hmm. I retook part B. I was like, you know what? I'll smash part B. Then I went, to, went on my elective. I was on a boat. Yeah. No, this was be- just before my elective. I was with my family in Bangladesh. I remember being on a boat, mm-hmm. and I got caught, mm. and they were like, "Unfortunately, you failed again, <sighs> so you've got to retake the whole year." That's heartbreaking. That would be heartbreaking. What, what were you feeling in that moment? Yeah, in time? what was you like, feeling? Yo, in that like you know, <laughs> this is gonna sound moist, but you know, you see these Bollywood films sometimes. Yeah. You're on a boat, the yeah. rain is falling down, yeah. and you're like looking down. Dramatic. <laughs> dramatic. I was. <laughs> I was like, I had a moment, you know. <laughs> he had a moment. It's like, my like, I didn't want to tell everyone. I didn't want to ruin the mood in it. Yeah. So I had a moment that happened, and I was on a rickshaw. You know, the rain. I was looking at, looking, wow. at, looking at the rice field, and I was like, it's difficult to deal with. But you know what? Um, I just um, so that it was difficult to deal with at that moment. But then I sat my parents down and just told them. And this was in Bangladesh. This was all in Bangladesh. And you know, I went oh, to Bangladesh right. as a year for nearly qualified yeah, doctor. So can you imagine, like, the whole village were like, they call you doctor or already, doctor yeah. already. And you're like, yo, you're yeah, like, man. <laughs> I need that MBBS first. Yeah. But yeah, so they were like, everyone was calling me that. On the day I failed my exams. And I was mm. thinking, that's it. As in, there's no coming back from that. Even if I retook the year and everything, maybe yeah. I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm just not good enough. And then... So I did my, they said carry on with the elective. Yeah. So I did that, handled a very nice elective. And mm. you know what, during the elective, I kind of, my mood picked up. Okay. I was like, you know what, I could mm. do this. Mm. This is just a little pitfall, I could do this. So retook my year and instead of going in there with the negative mindset of, mm. you know what, I'm not good enough. I went in the mindset, all these people in my year right now, mm. other than the ones that are retaken with me, I'm one step ahead of them. Because I know what's coming. Mm. I know every single station that's coming. Yeah. Mm. So I either can um, sit back and just relax mm. or go straight in from day one. Yeah. So alhamdulillah, like, I obviously knew brothers. I knew some of the brothers mm. from that year anyway. And so they just came back from the BSc. Mm. I was meant to do that BSc mm. that year. Okay. So we came back all reunited. And um, so I 
taught the every single station I started teaching. Wow. So I taught the stations, me, all the brothers, we sat down, we taught, da, 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 we smashed it. Alhamdulillah, year four was a breeze. And it was at that point, you know what, that that year four, the year I felt, yeah. changed me as a person. Okay. As in me as a clinician, me as a doctor, I literally, I always go back to that year. Okay. What, what's in, the difference between that year and your first, the first time you failed in 1B? Because 1B, it was papers. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So it was more like ac- academia stuff, yeah, like yeah, academic yeah. stuff yeah. and this and that. And but year four was more so Oscars, and this was you doing, uh, you practicing being a doctor. Yeah, the Oscars—that's ultimately what it is. You practicing mm. being a doctor, and for someone to, you know, when for someone when for someone to come back to you and say you're not good enough, mm. do it again. Yeah, that always drives me, because mm. that happened not once, several times throughout my kind of mm. pathway in college, mm. in secondary school. My teachers were like, "You ain't being a doctor, mate. You're from mm. Hamlets. Did you feel that? over the years of all the knockbacks you had you became a lot more resilient because for me personally i was the type of guy if i didn't get to med school the first time around i wouldn't have taken a gap year i would have done something different and if i did fail a year in med school i would have not retaken just left like i don't we're all different but i'm not as tough and built as well as other people that i see do you feel that you had to have those knockbacks to prepare you for what came in year four or do you you know do you know what i'm trying to say as in you know what? You know how you said just now, you're not built like that. Yeah. No one's built like that. It's because you fell, you build yourself up to be like that. True. As in, I thought up until my first failure, I was flying. I was like the golden child, smashing mm. everything mm. that comes my way. Mm. <laughs> Exams-wise, and mm. everything, it was going well. Mm. And I was like, you know what? This is a breeze. I don't know why people are, but you know what? It humbles you firstly. Mm. It humbles you nicely. It reminds you of like, you know what you plan, you revise, mm. you do everything you want to do, you go all out, but God is watching. Mm. He's gonna, He's planning. You can plan, but He's the best of planners. True. Never mm. forget that. And you know what? Sometimes we as academics we forget that. Mm. We so easy we're like you know what? If I revise hard enough, if I mm. do that, then I'm gonna do well. Mm. I'm gonna do this. Not always. You could do everything right and still get it wrong. Yeah. And that that was the biggest lesson for me, as in. You know when failures come, don't think of it just as a failure, but um, an opportunity for you to succeed next time. Mm-hmm. And that's the mindset that I've got right now. As in, whenever any failures come my way, that's one door closed, but there's ten more waiting to be opened. Yeah. And then yeah. you just go and open them. Mm. If you sit back and like, oh, I failed, man, that's it. I, nothing's going to happen, nothing's going to happen for me. Then, you know what? If you don't tie the camel, mm. do you get me? Mm. You're not, nothing's going to happen. You have True. to work. Yeah, yeah. So you have to go and open that door. And that's the mindset. There's there's a there's a bit of a invincibility mindset that a lot of medics have, isn't it? And they always say that um, you should be willing to learn from all mistakes, all mm. failures. Because let's be honest, you're gonna make a mistake through med school. You're gonna make a mistake during the F foundation mm. years, during the ST years, the training years. And I think um, arrogance and the 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 mindset of invincibility is very dangerous. Yeah. Being a medic, Th- isn't that's, it? That's what happened to me mm. with <laughs> with F one. Yeah, you ended you, up in Coventry, a hundred yeah. miles away. Because <laughs> think about it, in med school, and I'll be honest, I thought one, I was with Ams, right? And you know, he ended up in London at the end, and he was smart, and he was smashing it. We did the publications, we did the BSc. You got the first, and it's just like I'm smashing it, I'm killing it. Yeah. And then you just wake up one night and you realize, while I was so certain I'm gonna get London right, like all oh, my days, I'm moved 
100 miles away from London and it's not for like a month or two We're, I'm going to be there for two years and, I've, and you couldn't believe it and like you said it humbles you like it humbles me, yeah. you enter this new world of humility where you're like do you know what regardless of me thinking you know I'm going to smash it I'm going to kill it I'm going to get London wow 100 miles away from London and that's when I called math yeah, yeah. oh I called math with math by the way <laughs> and, and I said and I'm talking about a village the village could hear for it I said bro <laughs> They gave me this Midlands deanery. <coughs> I'm gonna end up in a village where there's just cows and a single church. I don't know. I'm quitting. I'm gonna quit medicine. I'm like, I'm not doing this. And he walked me through it. And like, there were lots of things you could do. And he told me all the different options. And I'm always grateful for that. And every but, time we see each other, we just laugh. But I was humbled, but bro. Let's, let's not just. It's not just sort of uh, humbling. If you look at it. It's developed you into. So I would say you're a very, very good doctor. Yeah. So I it's think it worked. Like it's a blessing. Well. Yeah. You wouldn't be yeah. the like the doctor you are if you mm. hadn't had that opportunity. That's true. So if you could, maybe you went to you got your first choice in London, yeah, mm. but ended up being this rubbish clinician, mm. or ended up not doing what you're doing now, yeah. scrubbed in, mm, for instance. Yeah. It's an opportunity that came your way. That's true. And it's because of you going that. to. Coventry yeah and it's I think I we're laughing now <laughs> and I'm still there I don't know why I'm going to be crying when I go back and I'm on weekend nights <laughs> so I think it, I it's, think it's, it's right. an important it's an important lesson when you hear three individuals sitting around sitting and talking now and we've all got different failures and the the common ground is that we've moved on and we've learned from it we haven't just failed and turned our back on that um, which I think is a huge bit or is a, it's a lesson from math especially I guess um, I'm still failing. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Still, like, still every are. day we I'm failing. Are. We all are. As in today, I prescribed are. like a saline, one liter saline on the mm. stat, and I, like, <laughs> I walked away. Yeah. My Reg looked at me and goes, eh? What are you doing? I'm like, saline, isn't it? But it's good. I think the, the thing at the end of it is like. <laughs> it's like little stuff. Like These are like baby stuff. Like, oh, yeah, this is yeah. A&E. Like, but it's, oh, do you changing. know what? It's, it's how you're, you, know, you, you respond to those failures. Do you know what? Do you embrace it, learn from it, move on, or mm. are you someone that kind of kick yourself? Uh, so I guess that's quite important. Um, but yeah, it just reminded me that night when I woke up, saw it, I closed my laptop and went back to sleep and I thought the next day I'm going to get London again. And then I did it the next day, next yeah. night. And then Anz goes, no, you're wrong. Look at it again. It might be South London. I was like, no, nah, bro, yeah. it's South of the country or North of the country. <laughs> north of the country. You know, with failure, it's like, we find it, especially as medics or any high achievers, yeah. let's mm. say, yeah. We find it difficult to accept it. <laughs> Trust me, you don't accept it. You're I like, still can't accept it. You, you still don't accept it. And you're like, you know what, there's other way around it. Yeah. You look for other ways. Sometimes you just have to like accept it yeah. and just say what next, guys. Take the and move on. Yeah, saying saying that, saying that, it reminds me of medical school with Abdul. We'd sit there arguing about a drug dose, and I kid you not, because we couldn't accept being wrong. Yeah. We'd go into papers from 1942 that were obviously proven wrong in 2020 <laughs> or whatever. You guys had too much but we'd time still use that <laughs> to <laughs> argue that. No, but, was, but we didn't want to go wrong, and I don't because, want to back yeah, down. And Abdul's, Abdul will use evidence for everything he he makes a statement for. Um, but yeah, I no, remember Abdul doing med school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like this Let's, little boy. That yeah. I always say this. You know, some people you just want to slap. Just look at <laughs> that's after oh, he's oh. grown a lot let's go was fun do you know what um, still the same yeah like we had a lot of fun and we knew math okay let's go back to medical school we knew math from like um back then it was called bangsock but then got changed to bsock but it's already originally the bangladesh society and you were ex-president what year when we joined it was 20 were you there? I was you guys were the t- 13? You were second 20, year, second year like, boss. So something like 2013. After Anika, right? Yeah, Anika, after Anika. Yeah. So talk about that. How was 
I've never had that one. I never have you of been. We were just not bank stock. Yeah. Yeah. We were just <laughs> publicity officers for like the last six years. Yeah. But you were president. <laughs> you got to 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 run a society. How was that? Um. You know what? What uh, did you learn? Like, what was the the beauty about being so? Because he won awards and stuff back then. Like, we yeah, were like pioneering. Yeah, we were, like, we were uh, do you not get? It was very unique. I think Matthew yeah. should tell us because I think you were one of the the guys who actually set the precedents for that society, um, really laying down very high standards. Mm. So, um, like. I had a thing. I had an issue with how BSOCs were run prior, mm-hmm. as in not just at KCL, but mm. in different universities. I just felt as though there's so much scope that mm. we can. There's so much things we could do, but we're just too focused on just having these socials mm. and dancing around and whatnot. Mm. But I just felt as though there's so much talent within the university, yeah, that we could um, utilize it. And I brought in the kind of the charity aspect. Yeah. So considering the society as a charity and mm. running it like a charity yeah. and having the same ethos as a charity mm. and and so with BSOC um, there were so many things mm. that we kind of dropped mm. and implemented new ideas mm. like going to I think one of the things we did as a pioneering thing was bringing in law and mm. bringing in the other kind of mm. Degrees out there, bringing bringing people in, uniting yeah, the campus. It was initially like a very medic orientated. Yeah, you know, so and it felt like an exclusive thing where like you had to know someone to get in, yeah. and you know and that whole like, click mentality. And not just that; it's just like Bangladesh society is just for Bengalis. Oh yeah, true. Yeah, As exactly. in like, nah, it's for everyone. Mm. And so I really wanted that to be apparent and mm. um, changing the kind of culture within BSOC as mm. well. As in, not just. Because majority of the Bangladeshis at university are Muslim as well, mm. so bringing that kind of how to balance the both culture and religion mm. in a nice environment and doing that, and I just wanted to really push that, and that's what I pushed. Mm. I'll, honestly speaking, that was my mm. hidden agenda. Yeah, <laughs> but I think from now, like from then on, it's went on to improve and improve and go and do even more better things. And like, but I think you are one of the first pioneers that kind of started that motion, and where it's like prior to you coming or prior to that, it obviously it was more social heavy and less community impact and then when you came in we had the care home i don't know yeah. if you remember are you guys still doing that are so they still, they still continue oh, and now they've gone on to like having panels from different it's stems different professions coming in and inspiring the widening participation mm. we used to go and do all of these amazing yeah, stuff i think um th- see that that's the beauty of a spark i would say you only you you sparked it all and scratched the surface and now they're making real impact so now they're not just going from the charity world and supporting the community now they're looking internally into the students looking to support them mentally socially looking to support them into because i think a lot of people come out of the what we call the bubble of university and outside of medicine a few of the other subjects you don't have a guaranteed job or mm. you can go into many different things and they become lost and i think now they've sort of realized that there's this whole cohort which are transitioning leaving university and becoming lost mm. um, and it all comes if you go back it all comes back from that spark of transitioning from really and truly, let's be honest, from just socialising and being a social club mm. to a more impact-orientated society, which mm. I think is absolutely mm. um, hugely inspiring. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Saying that, that kind of brings me on, and you mentioned the charity and kind of operating like that. So I've seen a few things flying around, your Instagram posts. Um, we'll give your app uh, in the description so people can reach out and see what you're doing. What's this new charity? You've been very secretive about it that you've set mm-hmm. up in Bangladesh. Um, what's it called? I don't know. So something. 
So do tell us. It's not a secret charity. It's, everyone knows I'm doing it. It's just that I don't fundraise for it. Yeah. So, um, alhamdulillah, like, there are a lot of charities out there and they're doing amazing work. Mm. But I just felt as though I don't want to bring something in that kind of something similar. Mm. So my idea was to kind of, one of the, my biggest issues was in Bangladesh, for instance, is the fact that there's no primary care service. Okay. And people don't have access to that. And for them to see some a doctor, they have to travel to to town or mm. the poor, they don't have access at all. Mm-hmm. And even if they do, they can't afford the medications. So mm. under, like my parents have always, my dad always had a dream of mm. opening a clinic. Okay. And I thought, you know what, let's do this. So I've opened this clinic in my village back home. So we built it. What's it called? Um, it's called... Um, YM mm. Health, so that's mm. named after my grandparents, mm-hmm. and this is something my dad built, and so I've just come up with a proto- as in a, a kind of guide as to how mm. it should run, and I've created a protocol, a performer, in fact, uh, where the doctor, their consultant, there ut- uses to go through a patient, and it's bringing in the kind of, um, you know, how we learn through history exam. Mm then diagnosis, mm-hmm. then medications. And it's a proper performer mm-hmm. that is being audited mm-hmm. every month. Mm-hmm. And the plan is after two, three years, look into the kind of the common conditions that mm-hmm. are coming up, the medications that are being given and how we can kind of make it as efficient and just kind of focus in on the specific things. So that's the kind of um, initial, it's almost like research and acting on it at the same time. Mm-hmm. So once this, we collate all the information, um, we go back to the drawing board and that's when the prevention work starts. Mm-hmm. So focusing on what's affecting that community mm. and working towards preventing those things mm. from happening. So they go hand in hand. It's almost, I know it's like they say, start on prevention first, mm. then talk about the cure, but why don't you start treating and mm. getting that research and mm. then pr- looking at mm. how you can prevent properly. Mm. So that's just, and um, that's done through like, the reason why we don't fundraise for it is because I feel as though because it's still being fine-tuned, mm. um, it's mm-hmm. coming from our own pockets, alhamdulillah, mm-hmm. like, and um, we have that autonomy to kind of fine tune it. Mm. And I don't want to really bring it up to the public sphere mm. until it's the finished article. Because mm. that's when the public can actually see mm-hmm. this is what they're doing and this is the impact and this trust. Mm-hmm. And yeah. What, what I really love about your approach uh, with this is it's not very, it's, it's very detailed and diligent. It's not whimsical. And I, I'm really against health tourism and things like that. And the way that you've gone about researching get your data get your and actually act upon um, evidence out there is something that I mm. find actually really really sort of innovative and new and mm. yeah, it's in like the ball game I know a lot of people say mm. that a lot of people want a lot of medics want to do these kind of things mm. but they think I haven't got the time mm. or I don't know I haven't got the kind of skill set mm. so I'm trying to by doing all this research creating these models mm. this model is going to be available to everybody Mm. as in it's not my little secret it's not my secret as in it's like exactly once I've kind of fine tuned it and it works I'll be like you want to make a you want to open a clinic here you go Mm. this is Mm. how you do it is it based on a because you said primary care so Mm. have you based it similar to this country's yeah so it's very similar so um, we'd keep records of the patients as well so we know the kind of history so when they come back again the doctor's Mm. already familiar and it's usually I mean, I think Bangladesh, the, from our clinic, they're getting better care because they're seeing the same doctor every month, every two yeah, months. That's important. Yeah. So they don't, don't get that. How important, yeah. So it's going back to day one, how GPs used to run all mm-hmm. in those school times. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Interestingly, so on, on that point that you've based it on this country's system, globally, when they compare healthcare services, this country has actually got the most efficient and um, best managed 
um, healthcare system. So the primary care model mm. and how it connects with secondary and tertiary centres is how a healthcare system should be. Mm. Um, and it's interesting to see that you've based it on this country. And I think, obviously, in this country, our healthcare system is endangered. But I think uh, what you're doing is absolutely amazing. Mm. So I was going to say the word Jotno. I don't know mm. how it relates to charity and what it means. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of people intrigued as to where the name came from, what it means, and how it ties in with the charity, or if it does, or yeah. what, you know. So, Jotno, mm. as a word, means care, mm. to care. Mm. And that's ultimately the main thing we want to achieve with mm. the charity, is to care. Mm. And um, I just felt as though it was appropriate to our main um, aims mm. and um, it's something that you know what the main idea is okay. with Jotna the work we do is make this a universal thing mm. so the plan is uh, these are secrets I'm giving away mm. right now well <laughs> super great I'm just bringing the notebook bring the notepad where's the pen exclusive yeah it's exclusive so the word Jotna the plan is mm. like over the next I want to see this develop in my lifetime inshallah it's where mm. for instance uh, one of my first a medic from say Somalia mm. mm-hmm. wants to open something there. So he runs it under the name, again, We Care or mm. Care, yeah. but in the Somalian language. Mm. So in oh, India, in cool. Pakistan, yeah. so everywhere, so it's we're caring as a unifying the care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's quite And cool. it's like, that's the kind of idea behind it. It goes to show the creativity side of it as well, as in, mm. as anyone that knows when working on these, you know, startups, projects, whatever it may be, like finding names is hard. Mm. And most often your name symbolizes what you stand for, how people perceive you, your branding. And like, I think Jotun is such a beautiful name. Like when I heard, I thought, you know what, this is, it's beautiful. It's nice. And I understand exactly what you're doing. And you know, you're not racking your brains like, oh, he's been too smart. He's been too quirky. Like it says what it is mm. and it's in and you're building it. And I thought it was only Bangladesh only. I didn't realize that you want to do it resource poor countries like third was in Somalia Everywhere. so that's news for yeah. me to hear today to be As fair. In, it's the international thing inshallah it works and if it doesn't we mm. tried mm-hmm. before we end on this point so including myself and for the viewers if they want to actually support you in your mission in this how 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 can we get involved how can people get involved and support you so right now um, in terms of supporting drop me a message we'll talk mm. and um I know I get a lot of requests sometimes where medical students say, oh, can I do an elective with your clinic? Mm-hmm. Honestly speaking, I don't feel as though it's fit for students yet. Mm-hmm. Um, um, That's just me being bluntly honest. I don't know if you have the capacity to actually take on students, so mm-hmm. come in and do and work there. Mm-hmm. And I've, like you mentioned about health tourism, it's something mm-hmm. I really dislike. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm for like taking skilled people mm-hmm. to go there and do the work as opposed to going there to learn and yeah. benefit. And you know what, sometimes, yeah, you get fundraising wise and stuff is brilliant but I wouldn't take I wouldn't want students there I would want people who can work there mm-hmm. Legally, even when I go there I don't I don't work there mm. because exactly. I can't because mm-hmm. we forget we think oh it's Bangladesh leave it no one will care mm. exactly. just do just prescribe it that's it but if you're not registered with the Bangladesh uh, medical um, mm. committee there and you start prescribing mm. and then someone cleverly picks up on that mm. yeah. and then brings it to the GMC mm. that's your GMC license card yeah exactly heads up guys so all the people that are out there prescribing don't mm. be prescribing you can't even prescribe even as a student you <laughs> yeah. need to graduate to prescribe yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. It's especially with elective when you mm. go to this third world country it's very easy to kind of write down a piece of paper give amoxicillin mm. Mm. but mm. just be careful as yeah. it can that's catch up good on point you. you mentioned that it's going to catch up on you yeah. Yeah. it's very important I guess um, but yeah I think for some of us we're interested on 
the research aspect on how you're planning to do a primary care model. And I think it'd be very interesting when it comes out for some of us who want to also set up a clinic somewhere else in our home countries mm. or even locally. Maybe we want to have a small clinic in a special field um, which we could probably use yeah. your blueprint for. Which Definitely. Give me sure. I mean, the thing with the Jotna thing, there isn't a time frame. Mm. Okay. As in, I've not given myself a time frame. Is it something you want to work towards? Mm, mm, mm. Let's see. Okay. Let's see what happens. Exciting. <laughs> exciting things yeah. to come. Exciting things to come. The uncertainty <laughs> is very exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. Um, okay, so moving on now. So, Math, you're a very, very, I would say, impactful social media icon. Okay? <laughs> no way. No, no, no. You are. You might not see it as, but I, I feel no. like you share very, uh, you share medical care. So, for me, I'll, I'll tell you what makes an impact on myself. Um, you share various different things, but something that impacts me is your your reflections on medical cases, for example. You talked about, I remember this one case, I think you had an elderly lady last few moments and you just sat beside her and you just sort of just, just conversed with her and how powerful that it, how powerful it was to someone who was so lonely and departing, essentially. Um, so I find it really impactful. How are you... So one thing I've always wanted to learn is how do you use social media as a tool rather than be a victim of all the, let's say, all the negativities and that can come out of. Wait, before that, can I just say one thing? Drop him. <laughs> if anyone knows math, he knows why. Whenever you go to school and you, and, you, and you see it, drop him. It means get ready, submit the questions. And you know what I like about your drop hims, yeah? It's called math drop him. Is, I'll be honest, yeah? I'm a very lazy guy and I don't like responding to questions. And most often, it's Amza's responding guys <laughs> but you you take the time out and you give like a solid answer bro like I'm not talking about you know random one or two sentences you proper give a solid succinct answer if you're not giving an answer you do a video message to the answer like talk about all of that like what I'm saying is like how do you make it impactful and not become a victim or kind of using social media for good because your proven track record it's not you've done this today you've done it for a long time mm. have a good steady growing following um so go through that with us because it's quite interesting so it actually stems back to kind of when i think we even you guys mm. we could say that we're the generation that kind of saw um high five and bebo and stuff yeah. die down yeah and then msn messenger yeah. go extinct and then uh, facebook come about and we've seen the transition of social media and social media lights i like to call them that mm. and how things have gone from social media being a tool where you engage with people, you talk to people, it's a communication tool, to now becoming, say, Facebook, posting pictures, and it's all about pictures and stuff. Mm. And now there's Instagram and there's Twitter, and it just feels as though with social media, we've kind of gone off the main kind of idea. I mean, I suppose the whole idea of it was to kind of get your message out there. Yeah. But what I saw was um, the message being put out there for the youth and for even um, aspiring medics there wasn't anything there really True. truly it was all about mm. we had people posting pictures of them in hospitals and mm. this and that but yeah you get inspired yeah this brother's smashing it he's got a stethoscope mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, then it's like it's people like, from your background yeah. I don't think a lot of our users are people that are from like a disadvantaged background but like and to be fair you have been doing this for a long time it's, it's not like you're mm. still a medical student you were a medical student what in 20 mm. yeah when did you come into medical school 20 2010 man. 2010 so oh, 10 years <laughs> yeah. ago okay so like mashallah <laughs> things were different in 2010 <laughs> real different so like i don't think the people what content you putting out there is widely 
available. Mm, no what has the response been like? It's quite interesting because obviously we see your yeah. from our end yeah. as in like the viewer. What? How is it on your side as in you are the content creator? What is it like? So with um, kind of the response is always great and I'm always grateful for that. Mm. And it shows, you know what, if there, even if sometimes, you know, the response isn't great, I mm. still do it. Because mm. I'm doing it for myself first. Mm. As in always, when I put things out there about these cases, it's for me, it's a moment I can, it's something I can reflect on. Mm. Say, not to this week, in two weeks' time or a month's time, go back to my post, mm-hmm. remember that. And it drives you. Um, so these posts, for me, the whole slave and doc kind of mm. the name itself mm. was your, you remind yourself that you're a slave first mm. and then a doctor. Mm. And this is something that I take to me at work as well. Mm. As in, and sometimes I try to make my post show that, as mm. in, you're always, whenever you're dealing with a person in hospital or wherever to be honest you have to remember you're the slave of Allah first mm. and how you act towards that person should reflect that so you should have the right etiquettes mannerisms and everything you have to go out your way mm. and then you consider yourself a doctor and you do the medical side it's true you know what people have kind of latched I kind of realized that that's my kind of the mm. way I do my posts and sometimes I come home and like you know what I can't be bothered doing any posts mm. leave it what's the point no one cares and then, you know, when I do this dropper, mm. I get this sweet message from a random person I've yeah. never spoken to in my life wow. saying, you know what, brother, you're an inspiration. Mm. I really look forward to your post. It helps me this. Or, brother, last time you dropped this question, you gave this answer. It really helped me from the mental health side. And mm. it's like, when you get little messages like that, it kind of lifts you and brings a smile. It's like, you mm. know what, mm. it's helping someone. Mm. As in, even if it's not helping the majority, even if it's that one person you get that message across to, mm. that's that one person you've helped. True, and yeah. you know what you don't know what key is going to get you into paradise so that's if true. that's my key mm-hmm. then i'm going to take that key and yeah. i think i don't know if you know but um there was a point when we started scrubbed in and we don't know mm. like if people are going to listen to us and you know it's, you have to remember me and Ams, we're never creative or like we were never good in front of a camera talking or anything like that we were just the people that kind of studied a lot and we're like oh you know no one might like us or whatever or we were doing it maybe the numbers weren't that good in the beginning and then Am said that you had a, obviously to talk. It was the fact that you said one day to him that it doesn't matter. You don't need hundreds of people to to see or listen to you. As long as that one person listens and that one person benefits, that's enough, and that's enough for you. Mm-hmm. And when obviously I'm that numbers guy and I like chasing and I'm like, oh, we need to hit etc. When Am said that, I thought, you know what? You're right. Even if it's that one person that resonates and benefits and some good comes out of it, is enough. So I think credit to you that you probably didn't even know but a lot of the reasons when we were on the verge of like oh do you know what is it even worth it we've stuck onto it so yeah, sure. you guys were smashing man what you guys <laughs> are doing is amazing stuff and something that you know what you're going to look back at it in two three years time mm. maybe like you know what alhamdulillah we did it yeah you inshallah know. that's the plan but yeah i think um that that's a lesson for everyone i think to also take away from this discussion with you is that if you can make an impact on just one one is enough one is enough of a reason. You not you don't need to have an impact on millions. If you if you just help that one person achieve their dreams, get over that stress or, or just sort out something, that is enough of a reason for a post, for to for you to go out your way, to meet them for a coffee, what have you. One is enough. Mm. I think that's really powerful. I think we've we've taken up plenty of your time and we wanna I think it's a good time to wrap it up. So <coughs> what does the future hold for you what do you want to kind of do in the next few years what is like your end goal and i think more importantly what advice would you give people that are 
a lot younger than us that want to pursue medicine or want to pursue something. They're like, what advice can you give? Because to us, you're still someone that is senior and someone we respect. Mm. So those two things, what does the future hold for you? What are you excited about? And advice to the younger viewers and listeners. So in terms of my future, um, obviously progress with my career. Yep. And inshallah go into doing general practice, which mm. I've always dreamt of doing since yeah. I've started. And you've secured a post. Alhamdulillah, like I'll start yeah. in August and inshallah yeah. work towards that. Mm. And then uh, branching out and um, inshallah, let's see, let's see what happens with the general practice yeah. scene. But I open a few practices myself mm. and kind mm. of, that's when my medicine and creative side will come together inshallah. Mm. But I'll okay. have the autonomy to kind of do things my way. Mm. So let's see. So that's the plan for that. In terms of like advice to the youth, I would say have a vision as mm. in don't just have a vision in terms of career and life goals. Have a vision as to something you want to do by the time you die mm. and almost work towards it. So everything you do in your life, say your degree or the societies you join or the projects you join, make sure it counts. Don't waste your time because mm. time isn't there waiting for you. It's going to go. It's yeah. gonna go, and the, I remember I, you asked me earlier about how do you make time mm. whilst doing everything you're doing. Mm, mm, mm. I've always had the mentality that in life you're always gonna be busy. You will always be busy, but you make time for the things you love. And if you don't make time for that, then you don't love it. True. So That's that you love your vision and work towards your vision, and you see time just come to you, mm. and you'll have time for it. Mm. That's that would be my advice. I think. That was solid advice, and um, your testament of all of that, and like your hard work and efforts will pay off, and is paying off. Um, and I think it's a nice time to wrap it up. And I want to thank you again for kind of taking the time out um, to come and speak to us. It's been inspirational. Um, we got to see a different side of you. Um, obviously, yeah. outside of this, we're having bands and we're talking about. <laughs> Man, I like accepted from all of us, man. But um, it's good. I think there's a lot of people that will benefit from this, and we hope the channel and the podcast kind of reaches out to people that need it. Um, but it's been a pleasure, Math, for coming on. Yeah, thank you. We wish you the best me, of luck for the future. Uh, likewise, man. And ensure you achieve what you're up to achieve. Um, and on that note, thank you for listening. Make sure you tune in next week. And in the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week, guys.